where we talk to music people about movies, about music people. I'm Naomi, I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Crystal, I also use she, her pronouns, and we are Basic Bitches. Today we are talking with Portland-based queer indie pop trio, The Crystal Furs, about 2001's Josie and the Pussycats, a restaging of the classic Archie Comics girl group that takes aim at pop culture consumerism and subliminal mass media marketing featuring a soundtrack of relentlessly catchy pop rock jams performed by Kay Hanley of Letters to Cleo, who are making their second appearance on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for joining us, Crystal Fest. Please go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Stephanie Buchanan. I use she, her pronouns. I'm Rowan Church. I use she, they pronouns. So Josie and the Pussycats, was this um a unanimous decision or was there a particular member of the band who was like this is my jam this is the one we're going to talk about Uh, this was my movie I introduced it to the band a couple weeks ago yeah and uh so we had seen it once and it was on our mind when we got the uh the invitation and at that point we were like oh yes let's definitely do this one because uh it really, really resonated with us. Yeah, I had seen it when it came out. I was one of the 12 people who saw it when it came out <laughs> in 2001. And I loved it, but I didn't quite get it. And now I get it. I think um, a, a lot of the kind of consumerism satire uh, went over my head when I was a lot younger. But mm-hmm. um, it, it hits home a lot more now than I think even then. So uh, Stephanie, did you see it when it came out or was this a, a subsequent? It was a movie I've always, I've always been aware of and I've always wanted to see, but just never got around to it. Um, when I worked at Walmart in the early 2000s, when it came out on video, they were really like promoting it with all these like in caps and displays. Um, so I really wanted to see it, but it just, it just never, never did. <laughs> so I was glad we finally got to watch it. Yeah, this was uh, this was my first. It was your first time as well, right, Crystal? Yes, but yeah. also similar to uh, similar to the, your experience at Walmart. I worked in a lot of record stores um, when I was a teenager and in my twenties. Um, actually, I worked at New Ray Comics, which is the shirt I'm wearing right now. But um, and when the soundtrack came out, especially like working in indie record stores outside of Boston, when the soundtrack came out, we were all like skeptical of the movie but the soundtrack we were all very on board with because of letters to cleo because yeah. of the like boston connections so we were all like the movie don't know but damn these songs are catchy Kay hanley has done it again <laughs> yeah the soundtrack has a couple of songwriters i really look up to it has anna Rolonker from that dog and um jane weedlin from the go-go's wrote some of the songs rowan what made you go and see it because um, a lot of people did not. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I had seen Spice Girls in the theater with college friends. Uh, and I enjoyed that, but didn't feel like it was like straight pop is not my thing as much as like rock, right? And so when I saw this, I thought, 
oh, hey, it's a rock version of Spice Girls. I'll go and see that. It's brightly colored. The girls are cute. You know, the music's good. Um, that got me into the theater. The movie itself was so different than I expected it to be, though. This, did they did they market it deliberately, like drawing on the Spice Girls? Do you know, or was it just no? In the I don't remember that as much as just like, hey, it's you know, it's a comedy about a rock band. Yeah, I feel like it was just marketed as like a teen movie. Kind of in the same line as like the Scooby-Doo movie would have been marketed mm -hmm. back then. And um, a lot of like the 70s TV shows getting remade into movies were getting marketed mm -hmm. at the same time, which is very much like, hey, it's goofy nostalgia. And here's some, you know, rock soundtrack for the, the, the trailer. Um, I, don't, I didn't feel like anything about it really got into like the marketing of it got into the fact that it was anti-marketing basically yeah yeah that I don't think I knew anything about that element of the yeah. movie yeah it comes yeah, at you like didn't. how would you how would you successfully market that that was the concept though I don't even exactly I you know and it's funny like um you could you could market it to a college audience on that, right? But you can't market right. it to families on that. Yeah. Because that's a little like, you know, <laughs> that's a little artsy. What's what's going yeah. on here? That's it's got good. Parker Posey? What? You know. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea she was in that movie until yeah, exactly. like, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, there's a surprising number of things going on in this movie, um, which I'm sure made it quite difficult. To yeah, market. definitely. It, uh, it definitely feels like one of those movies where they knew they had one shot at getting all their ideas in the movie. And so they just went for it, mm -hmm. yeah. which, which can be a mess, but is usually a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I'm trying to think, because I don't think I was aware of this when it came out. I mean, where are we, 2001? So I would have been like 19. I remember like that was a period of time when like the Scooby-Doo, like you said, the Scooby-Doo movie, like the Flintstones movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, like all of those, I feel like were around the same time. But I don't think that Josie and the Pussycats was, um, was really known in the UK. So they probably didn't even bother. It was barely known um, here, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it was in the Archie comics and I'm sure it had an audience, but you know, like I said, there was like a hundred of us who saw this movie. Yeah, right. and it definitely didn't like directly reference the comic in the way that the, those like other rehashings did. It was very much like, oh, let's take this concept of like a girl rock band and just like throw it into this other plot. And that's the movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they definitely had a movie written and right. they had a property and they said, let's just smash those action figures together and see what mm -hmm. happens. Yeah. Insert Josie and the Pussycats. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, because we were, I like, right before we did this, we were talking about it and I was like, wait, was the consumerism thing in the comic? And I went and like panically Googled. <laughs> no. <laughs> Have we and missed something major about this? <laughs> I, th I think it's really poetic, right? Because you have this story idea that lives on its own and then you have Josie and the Pussycats and just like in the movie, it literally could have been any other band, right? right? Uh, and somebody, I can't remember who said it, but somebody was like, all movies are actually about making the movie. 
<laughs> like making itself. Every movie is about mm-hmm. making itself. And I, I kind of get that feeling with Josie and the Pussycats because there they are in their movie. Mm-hmm. And then there is this, you know, um, much larger, you know, plot with Parker Posey and Alan Cumming and all of that. And then they smash together and suddenly Josie and the Pussycats are in their own movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Levels, levels upon levels upon levels. <laughs> this is this is the depth of of uh, lit crit that you're going to get from the lit majors. Yeah. Probably more than they they have gotten before. Yeah, so it's the twentieth anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. So there's a few think pieces turning up. Um, there were so there was one on uh, bitch magazines website i don't know if it's going to be in print is bitch still in print is it just on who knows i think so Remember, yeah. i haven't been in a new seasons in forever which is usually <laughs> where i see them on the stand yeah yeah um that one that one was taking a big swing that that article yeah in terms of <laughs> how I, I like the energy though yeah that well they went in they were really placing this in a cultural place that had never been before, that Josie and the Pussycats predicted surveillance culture. <laughs> I, like, I like the angle of influencer culture out mm-hmm. of that article. I thought that, mm-hmm. that, that hit home. Having watched a lot of like YouTube influencers recently, like Sophia Nygaard and all of them, right? Where they deal a lot with like, I was given this product, right? And let's take a look at this product or here are 50 products that I have been uh, sent by various companies. Let's look at all these products. And it's very much, you watch the video and it's a human engaging with products, hoping that you will engage with those products later, you Mm -hmm. know, like, it can be all very calculated in that regard. Yeah. Um, and I think Josie and the Pussycats engaging with that in like ways that were comprehensible in 2001, which is just like product placement everywhere. Yeah. With the big punchline coming at the very end that like, oh, we're shutting down the program because putting product placement in movies is a much better way of getting people <laughs> to buy things. Like it, it, it all it all ties itself up in a bow really nicely yeah. at the end. I feel like the ending is pretty good yeah yeah i would say yes except for the totally frivolous um uh, love interest sidebar <laughs> that's oh, between Alan coming and <laughs> yeah. Parker Posey. well well that but also there's like that guy that just like walks around with an acoustic oh, Alan guitar Alan yeah he's <laughs> probably not shaggy <laughs> yeah definitely not very much a different character for sure mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that seemed unnecessary. He was in the movie for a total of 10 minutes and then makes his big, uh, <laughs> his uh, grand gesture at the very end of the concert. And it's like, oh, I feel like I could have done without that. In that regard, it feels very much like the last 90s movie ever made, right? Mm. Uh, where the 90s had to make sure you knew that the main characters were straight. <laughs> right. You know, like. She likes boys. Definitely, definitely like Don't worry boys. about it. Yeah. Ends up with the boy at the Don't end. Don't worry. There's well, at least one of them is totally into this like cardboard cutout of a man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's her boy here. There were a lot. Yeah. You know, now that I think about it, every single one of them had an aside that was like, oh yeah, I'm into boys, right? Like Tara right. Reed had the Matt Damon cutout yeah. uh, right. joke. And of course, um, uh, Leeds Hare had Alan M. 
the uh, definitely uh, straight cis boy uh, <laughs> character. Right. Um, and it feels it feels like those were added to a movie that had a lot of like ambiguity as far as like queer presentation. Like I felt like editorially the movie was very bi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and it was just like, oh no, we're adding these things in. The studio asked us to add this aside, you know, and the studio asked us to add this character because he he pops in and out almost like it was right. reshoots. Yeah, it's like all yeah. very throwaway. Yeah. <laughs> like he's in five scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but somehow they've been madly in love for yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like there's a little thing at the beginning and there's the thing where he's playing at the bar and she can't yeah. make it. Yeah. And then at the end, right. I'm like, I love you. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the, and I love like at the beginning when he's first introduced, he's trying to flirt with her while she's fixing a pickup truck. Yeah, exactly. So you have to make sure she's not gay. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's very straight. She's just a pickup mechanic. Though. Right. She right. just, just that's, knows that's how to fix separate. the truck. It's fine. It's just don't, don't overthink it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a weird detail. If they were working hard to get that relationship in there. Well, like there's a scene where they're on the airplane going to mm -hmm. wherever the record label is and like they're all sitting in each other's laps and just right. hugging around on each other and it's, it's very <laughs> it's very comfortable and casual yeah it feels fine like, like yeah <laughs> oh but we don't want you to yeah. think the wrong thing don't so wrong right. yeah i yeah. brought alan along <laughs> well and alan you know one here. of the things that i kind of appreciated we were saying too was how like they they're pretty autonomous mm -hmm. uh, other than being like unknowingly co-opted um so their music could send subliminal messages about what to buy it's like there's no they don't like have parents that they answer to yep. there's a yeah. montage in the beginning that shows them working like a bunch of kind of minimum wage service jobs like none of them is beholden to a job or a school or whatever like they're just like out here being a band making music kind of on their own terms yeah. So like, yeah, to suddenly have them like anchored to some love interest felt really strange mm -hmm. to me because otherwise they were just like, just out here living my life, you know? Josie yeah. has her own entire house, question mark? Yeah, <laughs> they all maybe live house? there together. And house, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no, I couldn't tell you how old they're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. it felt very like 22 right yeah like yeah, right. just out of college type of thing right definitely yeah in high school I no 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 definitely yeah. not no but their contemporaries are really into a boy band which was confusing me I mean in hindsight they were brainwashed but yeah. at the well, beginning yes, exactly. I'm like yeah. are these mean girls are we in high school <laughs> it's it's people for whom high school never ended right yeah. right mm -hmm. yeah I yeah I uh I did like that lack of detail there because it, it's superfluous, right? To yeah, yeah. place them in a world where they need jobs or to place right. them in a world where they need income because this is a cartoon, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. And and like even the most grounded of the satire is absolutely cartoonish, which I, I enjoyed immediately. Yeah. Mm. I like that it didn't try to get bogged down in yeah. a bunch of details. Yeah, it's like, no, you're you're here you are, you're on a plane now, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever. I like it. It kept the movie under a hundred minutes. Like it's like you know, you're you're here. We're gonna have a good time. It's not gonna be two hours. We're waiting for the gritty reboot, I guess. You know, where it'll be the Schneider cut that's four hours long. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, I will say I have this terrible habit, which Crystal can attest to. And I think I have done in every movie that we've watched for this podcast where, you know, most movies, something very pivotal to the plot happens about 15 minutes before the end. And then we resolve. I can guarantee you, I will fall asleep right as that thing happens. (laughs) Yeah. Like, which I did last night. I fell asleep as everyone was like fighting backstage. And then I woke oh, up and they were just playing the show. And I was like, wait, I feel like something's happened. <laughs> yeah, like you definitely missed the part where the guitar smashed the machine that puts the subliminal messages into all the songs. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. One machine. Yeah, one machine that's all. You just push the button. Yeah, just push a button and turn one knob. You yeah, know, right. there's no backup machine. It's it's very much what mastering engineering is. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely not more yeah. complicated than that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I Something that kind of stuck out to me, and I don't know if I'm just misremembering internet history, but I was surprised when he said that that big show would be live streamed on the internet. So like mm-hmm. 2001, were we live streaming shows on the internet? We were. We were. We were. Okay. Um, I remember my favorite band at the time was live streaming shows as far back as 98. Oh, wow. Huh. It was real media player. So it looked right. like it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. filmed on a tortilla. But yeah. um, <laughs> if you want it to look at all good, you have to make it this big. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that five frames a second looked really good. Yeah. I think that pixel is the band, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was as far back as then. Wow. Okay. Yeah dial-up still back then so yeah that would have been bad my my dad had yeah. ethernet or you know uh, uh cable yeah so yeah yeah i would only have been allowed to watch it if it was when the phone bill got cheaper after 6 p.m <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i was it was surprisingly like exactly present slash 10 minutes into the future Right. I, I liked I liked the cat ear technology that was going to brainwash everybody. Yeah. Uh, being touted as having surround sound, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a bunch of like little technical details that you could tell the people who wrote it were tech nerds in some way or for uh, some way or other. It's funny, like when people get it right and people get it wrong. Like we the first episode we did the podcast, we talked to this uh, UK band Ox about the Lindsay Lohan Freaky Friday. Oh, yeah. And so there's a bunch of talk of bands in that. So that, that movie is 2003. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, assume like maybe it's a year from production to it actually coming out. Yeah. So they had to take some big swings on what they thought was still going to be current bands when it came out. And people won't stop talking about the band The Vines, like <laughs> all the way through this movie about okay. how it's like the best band. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. That one record was really big. I can see how you might think this might be safe. Stop trying to make the binds happen. Yeah. 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 A lot. It comes up a lot. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I I did like that they completely fictionalized their universe. I think that was a thing Josie and the Pussycats really did right, was if you're going to do a satire, completely fictionalize it. Um, Have the only other major band you talk about be a fake boy band, right? Yeah. Um, I I cannot get enough of how delightful du jour was in the five, five minutes, minutes they existed. <laughs> also, du jour was three people I recognized very much, and then a fourth man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> du jour means family. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, 
the wildly inappropriate stuff they got away with in basically a PG-13 movie. Like, I, I, I enjoy all of it because so much of it was meant to fly under most people's radars in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It just hits a lot more now. When you think about, like, a concert where we've connected the app that we make, right, right. for our band brand, um, you know, and yeah. uh, you, you connect with the app. It's a proprietary thing. We're using it to track your info. Like the life we live in 2021 uh, is extremely, would, would make Parker Posey very happy, right? Yeah. In this movie, <laughs> from this movie. Make Felicity very happy. Felicia, Felicia, right? I think it's Fiona. Fiona, yeah. Fiona. Fiona. Fiona, sorry. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Hi. Hello. Oh, hey. Hi, I'm Kara. Uh, she, her pronouns. I'm the keyboard player of the Crystal Furs. So what I was actually just about to flip towards is depiction of playing in a band mm-hmm. as, as it occurs in this movie, because we obviously see two very different ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. The painfully real playing to no one in a bowling alley yeah. scene. <laughs> Yeah, that was We've been through a lot of that in our, especially like yeah. Steph and I have been in bands before now, and like, yeah, it's it's all too accurate. Yeah, <laughs> really was. Whoever did, somebody had definitely lived that life. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. yeah, that a band or two. exactly. Yeah, all the way up to uh, the stadium experience and <laughs> the incredibly truncated journey from the one to the other. Right. Um, I mean, what. Is there anything in particular that sort of spoke to uh, any of you about like the depiction of the band experience in this movie? I mean, it, it's a little compressed, obviously, because of the the nature of the movie, I guess. But um, we've, we've yet to be hit by Alan Cummings' car, so <laughs> not, not so far. Yeah, there's yeah, give it time. Exactly. But um, yeah, I. It really hits, like you say, that that beginning part, especially like you know, playing to nobody at a bowling alley, playing to nobody on a sidewalk, you know, in front of a record store. <laughs> getting that sort kicked of thing. off of the sidewalk. Yeah, getting <laughs> kicked off of the sidewalk, especially because like you can't. I know, like I don't know about Portland. I assume Portland is a bit more loose with that law. They're, they're pretty loose with the busking law. But like yeah. uh, the city Steph and I came from before we moved to Portland, uh, Fort Worth, Texas, had a lot of laws against. Uh, street performance like you couldn't yeah. play music in most parts of the city in downtown yeah, yeah it was it was not conducive to like being out in the city enjoying music on the street you know so like that speaks to me for sure yeah. like having security get called on you just because you're playing a show um <laughs> and like also just like i you know it it's not something like i think it's what spoke to me too just the experience that, like that I, I've had in this band um, with the the three of us. It's just the like you know even even when things are are kind of hitting you hard and it's kind of shitty or whatever like the camaraderie and the friendship you know is is something that speaks to me a lot because it's something yeah. we have you know yeah. like we I didn't always have that in bands before and it's really nice when you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even with if you're playing a crappy show if you're with friends and people you like at least exactly. at least you have that. Yeah, the, yeah. the the like friends first band second exactly. yeah. really exactly. like yeah. rang true to me because I've also been in bands where that has not been the case and it's like really really hard but mm-hmm. you know it, and it makes such a difference when you you have that mind frame going into like going into a band or like a creative project with people it's like important to yeah. respect the people you're as friends as individuals and then as 
creative collaborators, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's exactly it, because, like, so much of what we do in bands is so, is, like, physically and emotionally draining, you mm -hmm. know? Like, the act of playing a show, like, playing, playing, you know, we've played so many times in the past, like, you know, you're done at, like, two in the morning or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, you're yeah. just exhausted, and you just want to sleep, yeah. and, like, or, or even just the act of creating music, even in the studio, sometimes can be really draining, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, when you're with people who you enjoy spending time with, even if you're tired and worn out and frustrated, if you're, you know, among people you, you like, that helps so much to yeah. not get you to burn out on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I will say there is one other musical performance moment that speak, spoke to me more than I would like it to, which much as I, much as we've already discussed, I dislike the presence of Alan M. I have a storied past in my early 20s of being an acoustic <laughs> anti-folk musician. Yeah. And my God, did I play some shows in front of the bathrooms. <laughs> um, I, I played one show at this venue in London uh, called the Macbeth, which I think is still there. And the, the stage is basically, it's basically a, an addition to the original building. And above the stage is a flat glass roof. And there is an apartment above the stage uh, who at that point had a large dog. Oh, yeah. I sat on the stage performing my songs of comedy and heartbreak to a largely <laughs> indifferent crowd who then started all staring and laughing above me. And this large dog had taken a shit <laughs> directly above my head on the glass roof. So good. Wow. Oh my God. That was probably the worst. Although I did also play in a bar um, where there was a um, soccer match on the TV, which not only did they not turn off, they didn't turn the sound down on. And um, I mean, it got to the point where even I was watching it. <laughs> right. Because what else you gonna do at that point? Mm -hmm. Right. Just singing my songs, watching people kick a ball around. You know, <laughs> I definitely lived that life. But also, I also, <laughs> I also watched that scene and was like, yeah, of course you didn't go see you play. Pretty much you go, no, why would anyone go to that show? Exactly, yeah, exactly. I feel so called out right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just the, seeing the contrast between Alan M's show and what Josie and the metal got swept up into. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I have one story. The band I was in before this, which was years and years and years ago, um, got booked to a charity event for like a local high school. And so we're in the cafeteria of the local high school and we got put on as the band that plays while everyone leaves. <laughs> and so wow. that was fun. It was very much, my dad took photos, like he was our photographer and he was like, uh, what's her name with the sign that said I'm with the band? Mm -hmm. Like that was it, it was, it was just him. Mm -hmm. And we played our three songs and then, and then we were out. Um, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. a little demoralizing. It yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, and that's what it's like. That's very much what it's like. I def I played a show at a video arcade that mm -hmm. was just a bunch of like 13 year old boys that did not care that we were there and continued to play whatever they were playing while we <laughs> were just like, oh, I'm hi. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, Steph um, and I were in a band one time that played a show in Oklahoma and at a bar, 
that like has music as regular thing like i don't know why anyone was expecting otherwise but like it was a bunch of people who were obviously not there to see music because as soon as we started playing they just all left and <laughs> that will just absolutely crush your spirits it, it was you know? happy yeah. hour 5 p.m on a sunday and we were in an extremely loud band yeah <laughs> That's not what people yeah. were looking for no. on Sunday evening in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. I know. That was like Naomi, remember that show we played in um was it in Long Island at that Irish bar before we were um in the band oh, together. Oh yeah. That we was were, so Crystal's old band was like on a little mini tour with Basic Bitches with a, the previous drummer. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only was no one there, they wouldn't let us set the stage up until late because um some men had booked the area for a bachelor party that's what it was right yeah and it was like the saddest the saddest thing i'd ever it was seen like eight people in their 50s sat around a table with like a plastic tablecloth on it not really talking to each no other. one talking just drinking beers silently <laughs> like they, bu- they booked it till nine so they weren't gonna move until nine right. <laughs> yes, exactly what a party just yeah. sit around drink beer and not talk to anybody just stare at them. yeah that's the party right. that's like a funeral yeah oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah i don't know i couldn't guess which one of you is the bachelor you're <laughs> <laughs> all sad what's going on <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that the movie did a good job of uh, that experience. And they're like, how mm-hmm. much did you make? 20 bucks? Yes. Oh, God. Mine is shoe oh, wait. rental. Actually, $5. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. That was, that was, that was, that one hit home too. Yeah. yeah. It's, I like that though, because it, it, it just, it feels like something that's a parody, but it is absolutely not a parody. Like everybody who's ever been in a band is like, no, Spinal Tap is a documentary. It's not a mockumentary, right? This is this is that Spinal Tap moment where you're like, yeah, no, I, I know that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, one thing that we talked a little bit about the soundtrack before, but I'm uh, I'm interested in how the sound of Josie and the Pussycats as a band kind of um, resonates with you all and your sound and the kind of music that you play, if that had a, a, a inspired you all in your various musical journeys. That's interesting. Like I, cause like I had not actually seen the movie until not too long ago. We watched it once before we watched it for the podcast. And um, like that era though, maybe that sound, like a lot of the people, um, involved in making the sound the music you know the songs and stuff for the movie are people that I knew you know and enjoyed the work of especially there's a it's actually not in the movie very long but there's yeah. a song by Anna Waronker who is the front person of that dog um and I I love that dog a lot like they yeah. were they were they've always been kind of a big influence for Steph and I especially when we yeah. write so like that kind of like like loud and and at times overdriven but still very melodic mm-hmm. kind of thing is something we've always yeah. gravitated toward that kind of power pop yeah like the crystal furs kind of range between like jangly sweet gentle and like well what, we have one punk song you know yeah. so like we kind of um we kind of bridge this this gap you know and like that kind of like melodic and pretty but with some oomph to it is something that always kind of resonated with me that was that that soundtrack or just what I remembered of it because I never owned the soundtrack um was one of the things that helped me have an overlap with y'all when I joined the band 
because I come from a, from a very different music discipline. I, I, when I was younger, was into progressive metal and like fusion and, you know, like I, I come from the, the uh, boring muso bass school of pseudo-intellectualism. And so, uh, <laughs> so having that like, oh no, you guys, y'all are like the smithereens or y'all are like, uh, you know, the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack. Like I can, I can vibe with this. I mm -hmm. get this now. Yeah, so exactly. that was a big, huge help was like just finding like ways we overlapped musically. And yeah. um, a lot of, well, you put that dog, I think on the first playlist you uh, mm -hmm. made for me of like, no, this is the music we make. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that, that third Bat Dog album, Retreat from the Sun was always like a, a big thing yeah. for you and I both. Yeah, and like, songwriting wise. Just like the, the very, very prominent melodies, lots of harmonies. Um, Kind of like you know, and I wasn't say unusual because like our instrumentation is not that unusual, but like because that dog had like the violins and stuff. But like we, you know, we make heavy use keyboards and we do things like glockenspiel and, and that sort of thing. So like yeah. you know, we we enjoy kind of mixing up a little bit. Like yeah, a lot of our songs are still are fairly rocking adjacent, I would say. But yeah, exactly. like uh, they have like little twinkly bits and little like pretty things here and there. So like it's yeah. it's kind of like, you know, we like to be pretty, but we'll cut you if you look at us wrong. So like it's, yeah. it's, exactly. it's kind of the, the, it's kind of how we do things. And that yeah. that is very much like kind of the sound of that movie yeah, in some ways. The shiny, the shiny pop song with the sarcastic or angry lyrics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can always yeah, tell you can always edge. tell who read the lyrics and who listened to the music. Yeah by the reviews you get. Yeah, every time every time someone calls one of our songs, like there's a song of ours called Drag You Away, which if you just listen to it, it's very like upbeat and peppy sounding, you know? But the lyrics are all about like depression and like never escaping your hometown and everything. And like, I can, can always tell who pays attention in the reviews because the people who do will mention that and the people who don't will be like, oh, it's a beautiful cartwheel through the sun. Like, yeah, it's a cartwheel through a mushroom cloud, actually. It's a bridge. Yeah, the lyrics of the songs are like, it's like the songs are kind of like better than they need to be. Yeah, <laughs> if much, that's not much better you know. than they need to be. Yeah, yeah they are. The, the like writing team that made the songs for this movie were like top, were top notch. You yeah. know, like there's uh, uh, you know Kay Hanley's in there, yeah, yeah. Rockers in there, Jane Weedland, Jane Weedland's in there. Yeah. You know, like I, I do like I baby faces in there once or twice. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that's what hits home to me the most. Like Josie and the Pussycats as a sound, like the music and the movie script as a whole hits that kind of try hard energy, mm -hmm. um, which resonates with that. We're a bunch of try hards. Yeah. And <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like you didn't need to try this hard with a Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> exactly. Right. And and it did it help? Did it help? Yeah. Uh, Twenty years later, it helped. Yeah. You know, like critical reappraisals, good, but you know. Well, the soundtrack was like a gold certified album. Like it, the soundtrack did better than the movie. Oh, much, mm -hmm. yeah. And 10, 20 times over. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, yeah. Well, it's got the bona fides, right? Yeah, like they did not half-ass the music. And that was mm -hmm. kind of what, one of the things that made it work for me was that like, you know, it, it is easy. I feel like when it's when it's a movie about a band or about music or something, it's easy to kind of phone them in. You either just get licensed some tracks and have people lip sync to them, yeah, or exactly. you like, if you write original stuff, it doesn't always, it's like yeah. not always the best work, but like every one of these songs, it's like whenever they, whenever they, they, they start playing something, it's like, 
Wow, someone put real songwriting effort into that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like there's, there's some good stuff happening on this. There's soundtrack. some A-level yeah. tracks, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I had forgotten pretty much all about it because I also had never seen the movie, but I knew the soundtrack and then completely forgot about it for the last 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Then we started watching the movie and I was immediately like, oh shit. I know, I know this, I know this song. What you said, what you said was three times in a row when a song started, you went, oh, this is where this song's from? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love Including this song. the DuJour song. Oh yes. God, the DuJour oh, so, yes. song. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, this song was out in the world. It was not just in the Josie and the Pussycats universe. Like it was out there. Exactly. Like, wow. Your oh, right. song is kind of a joke, but all the Josie and the Pussycat songs are just good songs. Right? Super genuine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely playing up the like kind of innate parody of the boy band. Yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Because they're only there for five minutes. Well, this is right. the this is the interesting thing. Like when you have like this movie is a parody the whole universe is a parody right the whole universe is a satire mm -hmm. but Josie and the Pussycats are played straight mm -hmm. like they're played absolutely earnest and I think that's the only way the movie could have been good mm -hmm. right is you have to have your main characters just be absolutely the most earnest fairly realistic you know well-drawn characters and just the rest of it is Dr. Seuss chaos, right? Mm -hmm. exactly. And they're often, they're often questioning what's happening to them, but yeah. not too mm -hmm. much. They're oh, like, yeah. you haven't heard our music yet. What if you don't like it? <laughs> well, fine, yeah. I'll go. You know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> exactly. One of my favorite little moments in the movie of that kind of thing is when they're flying on the plane to the big city for the first time. <laughs> And the one guy asks, um, oh, the Missy, manager. yeah, the manager asks Missy Pyle's character, it's like, why are you even here? And she just says, I was in the comic. And then okay. they move on. You know? <laughs> it's literally my favorite moment in the movie. Yeah. yeah. What? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we touched on this a little bit at the beginning, but um, the subliminal advertising mm -hmm. storyline of the, I mean, I just am trying to, imagine this the story writing process that ended up here because the i haven't read the the comics and the the because the, there was a cartoon briefly as well right it's like scooby-doo it's not yeah they yeah. solve mysteries <laughs> yeah right there isn't i don't it didn't seem like they really had an origin story they just were a band mm -hmm. yeah and they solve mysteries mm -hmm. yeah and at some point in the writing process somebody was like i've got it yeah, exactly. but they're having an origin story, and then it's just going to go into the weirdest subliminal <laughs> advertising. Yeah. They have to solve the mystery of um, mass market consumerism. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, that's a mystery we're still trying to solve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like this movie hits hits even better now than it would have in two thousand one because like we've been through so much more of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 20 years. yeah. What's interesting too is like 2001, people were starting to talk about product placement in movies. It's like, this is happening an awful lot. Are we sure it's a good thing? Right. And um, so they make a satire of it, right? Where it's just over the top. The yeah. target logos are everywhere. There's the bounce dryer the, sheets. The, the bounce dryer yeah. sheets in the plane. Like, what, what? You know, um, <laughs> but it's it, enough in the background. And I feel like we're we've been so inundated with it for the last twenty years since mm -hmm. that it's like it didn't it didn't hit as hard <laughs> as it could have as parody, and then you have to think about that like mm -hmm. oh oh shit 
like no we really do live in a world that's kind of like this now huh yeah, you know because influencers are sponsored and we get mm -hmm. instagram ads all the time yeah and think about like the ads on your website or web pages all the mm -hmm. you know, like you 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 scroll on your phone you get way more ads than you think you do yeah right you you get used to the sheer volume of advertising that mm -hmm. happens in social media and that sort of thing now yeah and, exactly like, you're, you're not surprised at all when like you know this TikTok influencer music act is actually being like underwritten by like Tide Pods or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that stuff was certainly going on in America earlier than it was in England. I think mm -hmm. it's ubiquitous now, but you know, in England, I think this is still the case. Product placement is not allowed. Yeah. Un oh, wow. Unless it's under certain circumstances. So when they show American shows, so like, they show American Idol, and on American Idol, all the judges would have Coke in front of them. They would just, you, they would blur it out. You, oh, could tell no what it, you could tell what it was, but they would <laughs> blur it out. Um, so, because I remember, like, there's that bit in, um, it's Wayne's World 2, mm -hmm. where they're, like, uh, you know, drinking the Pepsi, and they're, like, yeah. it's the taste of a generation or stuff. And I always found that really funny, but I didn't really know what, like, why. Yeah, <laughs> doing that. yeah. America yeah. has no shame at all about just like <laughs> yeah. going for it because, yeah. like, the country is run by like hyper capitalists, and so you know we just have come to accept it. Well, I guess at this point. I mean, I think I think with um, you know, the advent of particularly social media advertising is like it doesn't matter that product placement is banned on TV in the UK. That's not where any of us are consuming anything. Yeah, they found ways around it, right? I haven't yeah. seen a TV ad in ages because we just watched <laughs> right. like streaming, you know, YouTube and that sort of thing. But like there's ads everywhere on social media. There's mm -hmm. ads everywhere on streaming media. Mm -hmm. And like, if you don't pay, like the biggest music streaming platform in the world, if you don't pay money for it, it is filled with ads also. You exactly, know? yeah. Like, and it's yeah. specifically designed to, to control your experience so that you experience ads, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. If it's free, that means you're the product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I um, <laughs> might have to cut this out. But up until Friday, I worked in the music industry and I have done for 12 years. And I, I make websites. I wasn't on the cutting edge of the most heinous side of things. But, mm -hmm. you know, we're putting we're putting um, Google Tag Manager code on every page so that we can swing back around and advertise you the record you were already oh, yeah, looking absolutely. at. You know? Yeah. And it's the industry standard. Nobody's immune to it, right? We advertise our record, like mm -hmm. you know, you're gonna you're gonna run into it. It is a price to pay in the industry. Yeah, it's like the um, our friends uh, from the UK, Swansea Sound, mm -hmm. have a song called "Corporate Indie Band" that's about that. Yeah, know, exactly. About how you have to you have to become your own like product placement and marketing agency just to get your stuff heard. You know. So. Yeah, it's it is really interesting. I. You know, because we we are indie pop, right, or yeah. indie rock, and the indie means, uh, like to someone who's from Generation X, means a lot, right? Like, yeah. there's there is an expectation of no selling out, but like the reality is, you start sold out, and you it's just a matter of like viewing things as an opportunity, right? And then like how much how much are you going to invest time-wise in your quote-unquote brand, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. It was just a very different thing for me to think of for the first like month that I was in the band. 
Yeah, it's kind of the thing about the movie too. Is like when it, when the movie was made, there was still a little bit of like an attitude of like, well, if you're oh, legit, you won't sell out. Very you know? much, yeah. And like now, like watching them sell out is like, well, yeah, like everybody in our genre does that when they get big enough, right? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> well, even when they yeah. don't, it's like if there's an opportunity to have your song on a podcast or in a game or something like that, yeah, you're gonna say yes because yeah. why not? You know. Yeah, I think that was kind of one of the unexpected takeaways I had of this movie is that like you you can question those systems. Like you can engage with this mm -hmm. system, like with this if you're making music, if you're creative, like you know, it's okay to be critical of that system, but to also like actively engage with it at the same time. Yeah, it's yeah. like you kind of if you want to do it and you want to do it on your terms in a sense you have to figure out what the system is and what the rules are and like yeah. where you can subvert them and where you can use yeah. them to your advantage as an opportunity. And that's, you know, is not what I was expecting to take out of this movie, but I was like, wow, yeah, they, at, at the end of the day, they were, they figured it out. They were hip to what's going on. They still what they, they smashed the system. Right. Yep. <laughs> and then they still went on stage and they played their song and, you know, it, it's, yeah, I, I appreciated that about this movie that it, they were still playing their music and it was still like good, riffy, shiny, like yeah. pop yeah, rock. Exactly. But like they were they were doing it on their terms and had like learned a valuable lesson about <laughs> how to be critical of the system. So that you know what you're up. Yeah, yeah, gosh, it, it, a gear or two just popped into place, right? Like <laughs> um, they do start like when they're when they go into the bathroom to talk about signing the contract, right? It was very much like, no, we we know this is a deal with the devil. Yeah. We have to do this on our terms as much as we can and hold on to who we are, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a it's a simple message, but it's an important message. And I think it's more important now than it was in 2001 that like yeah. bands at our level engage in the system, not just major label bands. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you have to be aware of like what you're willing and not willing to do and what you want to keep for yourself and what you want to give to the general public. Yeah. Exactly. And there you have it. Josie and the Pussycats, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, is there anything else that's coming up for y'all? Do you have uh, any live shows coming up and uh, how can the people find out about you and your music? We don't have anything live booked right now, no, but right we now. are. Um, we, our vinyl is coming out. Oh, yeah. Delay the fact since there's two factories in the world that make vinyl now. Um, but it is it is on its way out um, now available also through American distribution, not just the UK. So, like, we're kind of covered on both sides now. And um, that's coming out. We. Um, we did some collaborations that we hope are going to come out in mm -hmm. the near future with some bands from America and the UK that are fun. And yeah, we're just, we're working on some new stuff as we speak for the future. So yeah, a couple covers maybe coming yeah. out this summer. Yeah. Yeah. We're planning some things. we got some things yeah. going. Uh, and we're going to be on a, we're going to be on a charity compilation for um, like violence against women. That's going to be yep. coming out. I don't know when exactly, but we will keep everyone apprised of mm -hmm. that. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And our website, the greatest website in the world. We have a <laughs> we have a link tree with all the links, all the buttons for everything, and it is crystalfurs.gay. Beautiful. <laughs> I had to go through a lot of trouble to get that domain, and I'm so glad I did. We're gonna use it. Worth it. Yeah. <laughs>
That's awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for, for being on our podcast and for bringing this movie to us. Neither of us had seen it. So um, thank you for that. And uh, it was really fun chatting with y'all. So thanks a lot. Yeah, this is great. Thank you for having us so much. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Basic Bitches Movie Club, produced by us, Basic Bitches. If you would like to know more about us, please visit basicbitchesband.com. Don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe to this podcast on your